the advice that I would give myself, the young Michael, is that my story matters. I think growing up, I never really considered my story as, as much as I do now and how it actually impacts people and my teams, right? I think if you can share a little bit about who you are and where you come from, I think it's great advice. To keep it 100 with you, it was imposter syndrome and ultimate high. Uh, you know, what am I doing here? I don't belong. I'm a total fraud. And sooner or later, everyone's gonna find out. So I ended up resigning. Focus on what matters to you, like really understanding your why, like seriously. Um, and, and for me, like it, it didn't hit home until, you know, I was a parent, right? Because you have these values and you're trying to shape them. And at some point you want to hand them down to your son or to my son, right? Just to see that those, those values in him and instilling those in him, I think was probably my goal <laughs> at the time. What's up everybody, I'm Guo, and you're listening to the Not Just Pixel Show. There's a lot to learn as a designer, so in this show I sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that UX design internship or job. Let's get into it. Today I'm talking to Michael DiMano. Michael now works at Ford Motor as the product design lead. And before Ford, he worked at Hertz as the product design lead as well. During our conversation, what really stood out to me was Michael's emphasis on the importance of finding your why, what truly matters to you. At one point, he felt so much imposter syndrome as a product manager that he eventually resigned and took a three-month sabbatical. And that was the turning point for Michael's career, which we delved deep into this episode. We also talked about his transition from web design to product design, human-centered philosophy, working in the automobile industry, and so much more. This was definitely one of the first conversations where I seriously didn't know where it was going, but there were so many golden snippets from this episode. So without further ado, here's my chat with Michael DiMano. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, happy Monday. I'm so thrilled and humbled and grateful to be here as your guest. So thank you so much. Um, you know, the truth is it, it's about the design community and working together to make it better. So I'm inspired by talking to people like yourself, uh, sharing experiences and learning from each other. So let's get started. Yeah, let's get started. So I wanted to delve into your background first. So I know you graduated from Art Institute with a degree in multimedia and also web design. And after that, you worked as a web designer for several years. So I think a good place to start will be, how did you gradually transition into digital design and eventually user experience or shorthand UX? Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. I think it was an organic, uh, natural progression of the design space. Um, I think, as you mentioned, um, I graduated from the art institutes uh, back in the early 2000 in web design. And at that time it was, I mean, people were getting into the space because um, it was lucrative. Let's be real, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
Mm-hmm. And then at some point, I, I moved over to digital design with Bally Total Fitness because I wanted to be I wanted to be marketable, you know. And I think just having those chops within marketing, my thought was, you know, if I can get this under my belt, you know, I'll be a little bit more marketable in the space. And, and then eventually uh, moved into to UX, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's what the space itself it just pivoted. And I know just recently it went from UX UI to product design. I think we both know that, you know, it's product design. You're a design journalist from start to finish, uh, whereas um, UX and UI, it's a bit more narrow focused. In that case, because I think, at least for me, I often like confuse like product design and also UX. So I think that does clarify a little bit. It's like product design is more general. Like it encompasses different fields in design and that UX is like a subsection of that. Would that be a fair way to putting it? Yeah, absolutely. I, to premise this, I mean, to premise the question, I, I think it's a team sport, mm-hmm. right? Regardless if you're doing UX or UI or even product design. So what that means, it's it's working with our partners in product management, engineering, and in my case, data science. Uh, to help define problems, brainstorming solutions, iterating on wireframes. You might not code, but you're comfortable working closely with engineering mm-hmm. throughout development to ensure the final product um, looks as good as in the hands of your users as it does on your screen or in Figma, right? We can ask questions back and forth, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is the way that your university teaching product design is it different from what you see in the industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, at least in my university, I feel like the way they teach product design is very theoretical driven. I wouldn't say, I don't know. I, I like to tell people that like what got me to where I'm at right now in my career doesn't really do much with what I learned from school. I think it's mostly just what I learned outside of school, like all the side projects, all the all the videos, all the articles I've read outside of school. And I don't know if it's a common pattern for like design students, but at least from talking to other design students, I feel like most of them have a similar path or way of learning product design. Do you feel that you have the same design process or framework, you know, when doing product design versus UX or UI? Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting question. I don't think I've really thought much about it. I think currently my design process is kind of aligning with like the design thinking process, I feel like, or even like the double diamond. It's kind of like a mix and mash of these processes. I wouldn't say that my process is specifically only for UX or only for product design. I think it's more like getting exposed to like different processes and then like kind of mix and matching and seeing what specific steps makes more sense to me. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me to say that my process is specifically aligned with like UX or product design. But yeah, I'm curious in your case, like does your process align with either side or is it? You know, I, I think my, my framework, my process, it's aligned to creative problem solving. Um, and let me, get, let me give you a, a little flavor or an example of that. Um, mm-hmm. So I was just on, I was on a call this morning with um, one of the design leaders within Model E um, at mm-hmm. Ford. Mm-hmm. And 
you're talking through like our time with this a specific organization within Ford, GDIA. Mm-hmm. And one of the things like I, you know, one of the things that I brought into the industry was, you know, um, helping to refine these requirements, um, not just for myself, but for the team. Right. So one of the first products that I worked on, it was for uh, the Lincoln brand and it was mm-hmm. developing this pretty amazing AI driven prototyping tool where these designers in California, they can mash up two concepts, two concept cars to create a cocktail. And that cocktail is considered a concept. And that's how mm-hmm. most of our concepts come together. Mm-hmm. And within, within this app, uh, they can actually manipulate uh, the vehicle in real time, you know, using machine learning, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. the, the story is that, you know, when I when I jumped on this product, uh, they literally handed me uh, two PowerPoint slides and said, "These are the requirements. Mm-hmm. Go make something pretty." And I, I'm just like, well, I don't think it works this way. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'd rather co-create and co-collaborate on really understanding, you know, what the problem space is. Um, so for me, like, I, I love bringing people into into my journey, and I love being transparent mm-hmm. with the work we do as product designers. Uh, so it just made sense to br- bring in kind of the design thinking and really collaborating together to understand and define what the problem space is, uh, you know, establish any goals and metrics, you know, to help measure our success as a team and just kind of working together to build this product out. I think it just comes down to fundamental like design is problem solving and also collaboration with different types of team members. Yeah, and and for me, it's uh, it's also kind of just closing the gaps that mm-hmm. uh, a team might have. And here's another story. Um, yeah. So, uh, a new designer just joined our team, right? And and for me, like I'm, I, I want to put some feelers out to really understand, you know, what their journey is, where they came from, and at some point, I realized that, like she she's a system designer. Right. So she came from a design team of like 20 or 30. And, you know, the things that like she's worked on were already stood up for her. For example, like a design system, the process on the product that I'm working on, like none of that has been defined. Mm -hmm. So we're asking designers to come in and to really own the experience, to really own kind of the strategy and, and delivery of this product. Um, and I had this aha moment where it was just like, you know, we don't have a design system. Why don't we create one? Um, and, and that's because of her and just thinking of like future designers coming onto this product. Yeah. So are you guys currently in the process of yeah, building yeah, yeah, the yeah. design system? Yeah, um, we are. We are. Uh, it's, uh, I think I, I joined back in mid-June. And uh, we're still working through the design system and kind of the, the goal for it is what we design is what the developers actually build and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's very kind of reflective on kind of having that partnership of design and development, mm-hmm. um, which I think it's a really cool thing. Yeah, for my last two internships, I also touched upon design systems as well. And then it was only 
through those, I realized it can get extremely complex and also interlinked. The visual styles link to the components and then the components can link to, like there's like different levels to it. And then so like I can, I can understand the importance of design system and why like more and more companies and also teams are trying to implement it. Specifically for my product, like there was a lot of consistency across um, the product and this product is like broken down to like three major, I guess, verticals. Mm. Um, so the product that I'm working on, it's uh, it's an executive dashboard to our executive leadership team. So think of like Mr. Jim Farley to uh, Mr. Doug Field, you know, it's, it's these leaders that are actually accessing this connected vehicle data mm-hmm. uh, to help kind of... Um, drive their business decisions, you know, for our respective organization. Yeah. But yeah, I think it just made sense for us because when I joined, like we had nine designers designing. And because of that, I mean, there was just so much inconsistency across the design. Mm -hmm. And you got to reel it back in. You have to ground the team. I noticed that at your time at Allied Solution, which is a company that provides benefits, administration, and also cloud-based HR and financial solutions, you were a senior product manager for a few months. And I saw that I was really curious, like, why did you decide to try out the product manager world at the time and how did it turn out? Great question. Um, So... Prior to being in product management, um, I was director of UX. And I think at that time, like I was really frustrated in design, bad leadership, no future prospects, a ton of bureaucracy and decision-making, uninspiring culture. And this was all during a a divestiture at Aon. So at that time, you know, the organization actually sold two of their businesses to Blackstone. And it felt like we would throw something at the wall mm. and we'd see what sticks and then we'd move forward with it. So I decided you know, to move into product management and, and to keep it 100 with you. It was imposter syndrome and ultimate high. Mm. Uh, you know, what am I doing here? I don't belong. I'm a total fraud. And sooner or later, everyone's going to find out. So I ended up resigning mm. and I took a sabbatical from work uh, for nearly three months. And in those three months, I really grounded myself on what's most important to me, uh, which is family and health. Did some light traveling with my wife and son. And in three months, we did, I think, Wisconsin Dells, San Diego, mm-hmm. Toronto twice, Disney World in Orlando, and, and came back to Michigan to, to see our, our nieces graduate from middle school. What were some of the biggest takeaways from the sabbatical? Focus on what matters to you, like really understanding your why. Mm-hmm. Like seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, like it, it didn't hit home until, you know, I was a parent, right? Because you have these values and you're trying to shape them. And at some point you want to hand them down to your son or to my son, right? Just to see that those those values in him and instilling those in him, I think was probably my goal <laughs> mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Well, you wanted to live by example and follow the like follow the values that will later be passed on to yourself. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Love that. And I think, so during that sabbatical, you really delved into like your inner why and what do you really value? How did that land into the automobile industry as a product designer? Yeah. So I was, I was combing through so many, you know, racks, requisitions. And I think for me, what, what mattered most was really finding a culture that really understood me. And after like countless applications and interviews, I ended up landing at Hertz. And at that time, um, they were building out their innovation labs. Uh, there was one that was north of Chicago and one in Ireland. And to be um, on the ground floor, helping to cultivate that culture of really just, you know, start a day, you, you check your ego at the door and you just do work together. And, and really being around kind of that culture is what I actually craved. Um, and so I decided to, you know, I decided to go to, to Hertz. And it was probably one of the most amazing experiences that I've had in my career, not just because of the work, but the people. That experience actually helped me appreciate product management even more. Mm. Uh, it really did mm. uh, because we had some just amazing product managers and they were there to help us understand what that process really looked like in the industry. And we did a lot of inceptions too. Um, and that really helped. And, and I actually brought that uh, to Ford and just really kind of why we do it. Right. And, and for me, it's like we do these inceptions to help level set and align the team on, on that North Star. Interesting how it kind of came back, the product management side, um, even though you're not directly a product manager. I do a lot of that. I have actually, I mean, like with my current product, I do a lot of uh, road mapping exercises, you know, with the team. Um, you know, the, the engineers, the data scientists, as well as the, the PMs, you know, exercises like around like value effort matrix um, to really kind of size up the work that we're doing, not only for the next iteration, but, you know, and beyond, right? So I'm looking at, so our next iteration is, I think it's this week, I'm looking at the work that, you know, we're doing, you know, for this product. And not just like specifically around design, as well as like, you know, uh, for Q4 and beyond. Yeah. So yeah, I've actually, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know if I'm like that typical like product design lead that that gets, maybe I'm too involved, but I think I'm, you know, I'm just trying to be helpful and try to move like the product forward. And I think just looking back at like the past projects that you've worked on, I think at least for me, one assumptions that I have about being a product designer in the automobile industry is that the products that you're working on is also related to the hardware side. So like the car automobile itself, has your project been involved in those aspects or is it purely software based products? Yeah. I mean, okay. So indirectly, yes. Like for example, like the current product that I'm on, you know, we're scouring data, we're looking through data, and that data actually feeds into the actual vehicle, right? So if there's something going wrong with the vehicle, whether mm -hmm. it's hardware or software, like we can identify that and we can actually serve that up onto okay. our dashboard. Uh, when I was in AV, 
um, as an experienced lead for CX482AV, we were working with the actual uh, infotainment system, like in the car, um, or even like because it's a self-driving car, you know, there's different uh, there's different milestones to the program, right? So the first uh, the first milestone was you're still going to have a, a driver in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And they'll need to use some manual controls, right? So we're helping to identify what those controls are, you know, how they looked and mm-hmm. feel to the driver. Yeah. So there's like different stages to the different milestones, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Um, so like so when I went to AV, um, my intent was to be closer to the vehicle. And what I didn't realize is that uh, there's a pretty rigid, like, development cycle. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called GPDS uh, for us at Ford. And for every vehicle coming off the assembly line, they follow the same mm-hmm. development life cycle or same build process. And it's, I mean, you're, you're talking about, I mean, if, if we're talking about, uh, you know, a feature for autonomous vehicles, like, we probably wouldn't see it implemented in the next, you know, two or three years. So it's a little bit different than software, right? Uh, software, like you're, you're building something and it may take like a few months, yeah. right? To build out yeah. an app. Uh, whereas like when you're dealing like in vehicle stuff or with the vehicle mm-hmm. or in the vehicle program, that roadmap stretches out pretty far. Does that happen more often with hardware products or is it just i don't know about the other industries but i feel like at least in software things move a lot faster right so we're actually building software for the vehicle Mm -hmm. so i mean yeah right i think for for people who are interested in working as a product designer in the automobile industry what are some things that you'll recommend them to like in terms of like getting started or things that's good to know before delving into this industry? You know, what's really interesting is that, um, so HMI, HMI, like in, in, in my mind, it, it's a very mm-hmm. niche space. Um, like I, I wouldn't be exposed to it if I wasn't at Ford, mm-hmm. I'll be honest. So when I was in autonomous vehicles, we had designers working on, again, that infotainment system, right? And, and I don't know if there's an appetite for that, like mm-hmm. in the design industry. But I know it's it's huge out here, you know, being like residing in Michigan and, you know, having the big three here, you know, having an HMI designer is, uh, it's pretty meaningful work. And then what does HMI stand for? HMI stands for human machine interface, where you can, you know, you know, as a driver, you can control the temperature, turn, turn down the radio, right, right. turn it up. Yeah. All that good stuff. I also wanted to ask about something. This is more specific, probably more nuanced, but I, I noticed this when I was looking for a portfolio. And whenever I clicked into any like portfolio case study that you had, the hero image is always you and also your team working together having a good time. I know this is super subtle, but what was the intention behind that? And also how has 
the intention behind that impacted you as a designer and also just everyday life? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned that, you know, as a product designer, you know, I love being transparent with the work that we do, right? And bringing people into our journey. I think it, same goes with who we are as people, right? So, I mean, this is who I am, right? I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a good human being. Um, this is me, this is Mike D'Amato. And I think it's really important to bring your authentic self, you know, into your teams. Just feel that you're, you'll be more empowered to be yourself and, you know, to, to really bring like your best self. In that case, because what you say, um, at least based on your like experience, have you consciously tried to separate who you are as a person outside of work versus like when you're working or are these two basically the same? Because I've, I've heard people say like, oh, you should like have a different attitude or behavior when you're in work versus like outside of work. I don't know if that applied to your situation. That's such a great question. You know, I, I, I like to think that I'm the same person, whether I step, you know, into work and then, you know, as, as, a, as a family man, right? Um, but it's different dynamics though, right? Um, I, I don't, I don't think I talk differently or I communicate differently. Um, you know, if I'm on calls with my team, like versus like talking to my wife mm -hmm. about, you know, something about our son's <laughs> school or something like that. I think I still have the same, uh, disposition, same demeanor when it comes to like decision-making and just really carrying a, a meaningful conversation. The way you say things is the same. Like it's like, you're not trying to change based on like whether you're in a beating or outside of work. Yeah. And, and, and I think that goes back to like bringing your authentic self right to work. I think it goes back to like having those core values, mm -hmm. you know, and, and really kind of applying that to the work that you do. Like I, I've been a big advocate of, you know, if I, I have these core values, I'm hoping that my organization supports them. And if they don't, I walk. Because at the end of the day, I know my worth, right? I, I can bring this type of energy, this experience um, to another organization that actually supports who I am as a person. And, and I'm not... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go into like a rant, but I no, yeah, we don't have to name drop any. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I really do think it's important to understand your why. I really do because that's gonna help you find what you're looking for out there, um, and, and to really like know to really know who you are at the end of the day. And if you're still like sorting through that, and that's okay. Right. But you're still trying to find your way. And that's the most important thing. Um, so one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou is do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Yeah. It's like getting better at something. And then once you reach that point, you continue to improve. Like it never stops basically. Right. So it's the constant pursuit of being a perpetual sponge. Like you're, you're always learning and you're always growing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like 15 years, like in, in this game 
And I think every day I'm still learning um, new things. I think we're coming a little bit short on time. I do want to end with a final question, which is, if you're now facing yourself, but 20 years old, so this is college times, what career slash life advice will you tell the young Michael? The advice that I would give myself, the young Michael, is that my story matters. It matters. Um, I, I think it really sets. I, I think it would set me uh, set me apart and make me unique from like other people. I think growing up, I never really considered my story as as much as I do now, and how it actually impacts people and my teams. Right. I think if you can share a little bit about who you are and where you come from, I think it's great advice. Um, I have this one of one of my exercises that I love to, uh, or one activity that I like to to do when new team members come on board is I actually like them to fill out this get to know me template, really, you know, to really understand like who they are and how they work. And I think it's uh, it's a little bit more prevalent now because we're remote, right? And it's really hard to read people like when you're on WebEx calls and to get this up front, right? And just being transparent of like, well, this is how I like to be talked. You know, this is this is how I like to be communicated with to kind of, you know, this is the type of cadence that I would like for, um, you know, meetings, for example. So I think that goes a long way. Everybody has their own unique story and... Yeah, everybody's story deserves to be listened. I don't see why not. I, you know, I think that's like I've been, I've been mentoring through the amazing design people list. Um, you know, since I think the pandemic, and and the common denominator with people like pivoting to UX or UI or even product design is that they don't like sharing their story. But that's the thing, though. The thing, I, the thing is. Like, there's got to be a reason, there's got to be a driver why you've pivoted into this space, right? And I think you coming in provides a different perspective or lens, like, into this space, right? And on top of that, you're passionate about the space. And I think that can definitely, it'll take you far. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm currently still trying to delve deep into my background and then like try to uncover the like trying to connect the dots of my background and see how it forms the person that I am today for sure I mean you you're from Taiwan mm-hmm. you're going to school stateside mm-hmm. right like what's what's the what's the connection between the two uh born and raised in Taiwan and went to a local school until seventh grade after that I went to an international school to study and then that was where I got a taste of like more of the American Western education and then I think once I got there my decision was that I wanted to go to the states for college because at least that's what everybody in the international school was doing at the time um, like all of my classmates wanted to or was aiming to go to the states for college I'm sure I'm like missing a lot of like gaps in between but in terms of like education that's how I 
kind of landed myself into the States. Um, both of my parents went to the States for college. So I think that also influenced my decision. And why product design? Uh, yeah, I was a fine arts person in high school. The first design that I was interested in was architecture. During sophomore year of summer, I interviewed like 10 different architects just to get a sense of what the field is like. After those interviews, I realized that I'm not actually that passionate about architecture. And also it's it's a field where if you're not 200% passionate, you'll be burned out pretty quickly. And so I delved into like graphic design and also fine arts, other fields. Um, I really enjoyed those. I was able to like just be really like creative and just do whatever I want, what I wanted to express. But after graduation, I was like, I don't think I can do this full time. I, I wanted to I wanted to try to explore other fields as well. So that's where like freshman year of Tufts, I met up with this grad student and she basically introduced me to the world of UX design. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because it's a mix of like psychology, design, computer science, um, just a bunch of different fields. And it's interesting because that multidisciplinary nature is also similar to how architecture functions as a field because architecture is also, you have to understand a lot of things as an architect. And so I think I was really drawn to just the opportunity I can learn a bunch of different stuff and also solve problems at the same time. So at least at the time, it was like the sweet spot for me. I was like, I can I get to solve problems, also work in a field that's that has a creative um, side to it. And also I can learn a, a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's a good story to tell and share. I really do. I mean, um, you really connected the dots between uh, your time in Taiwan to why you actually went to university stateside mm-hmm. and to, to, to following your passion. Like you, I mean, it seemed like you did a deep dive into like just arts mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. and you figure out, you know, what actually made sense to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's sounds like you're in the right space. Yeah. It's because like towards the end of my gap year, there was actually a period of time where I didn't do any design at all because I wasn't quite sure if this was something that I wanted to do for the rest of my career. And then, so it, it was kind of like those like career identity crisis, but it was during my sophomore year um, in college, which is quite early. But I think that just really helped me understand more about myself and more about design and just why I just really like design. I, I got to ask, is it because it's a cultural thing? Uh not necessarily. My my dad is a commercial producer, and I think out of he's like the creative type. He he loves to film and also take pictures. My mom is more on the business side. Like both of them are super supportive of the arts or design career. Mostly, it was just because I I I thought the design field was very predictable in terms of like career ladders. Um, awesome and stuff and then so i i was a little bit hesitant to go into that yeah i just realized that like design is it kind of turned into like a way of life 
for me. Like it can't, it's kind of hard to detach myself completely from design. I, I mean, I, I, I concur. Well, like 100%. Um, so when I was doing like the product management stuff at Alights or um, being this uh, experienced design lead um, in autonomous vehicles and, and, and two different mm-hmm. positions, but I was far away from design. And uh, to me, it was just, it, it felt like a job at some point, you know? Um, when I came back to uh, VDCC, which is my current mm-hmm. product, you know, I was just doing meaningful product design work and I was hungry again, you know? And everything just felt natural from like the way I communicated to kind of providing perspective um, to the way I've, I was partnering up with, um, you know, with engineering or even product management or even data science, it just felt natural. <laughs> like I belonged, like that something was missing from my life and it came back again. And I was just like, geez, why'd you leave in the first place? And that's how I feel about design. Um, it, it's, it's a really good marriage where I feel like I'm myself, like, like I'm not, I'm not trying to be someone else but myself in this space. Like you're able to be fully transparent and also authentic as a person. That's a aha moment right there. <laughs> I mean, because people talk about like yeah. expressing who they are, like completely. And I, I think like being in design has given me that opportunity uh, to be who I am. And um, so I, I asked, asked a question about like, you know, culture, you know, was it a cultural thing uh, and how like your, your family felt about design for me? I mean, like growing up, my mom was, I mean, she was an RN, my aunts were RNs. So it mm-hmm. just, it seemed like the right thing to do was to be in the medical field. Um, so when I moved to Chicago, um, I was bio pre-med uh, for a while, for, for three years. And um, at some point you, you figure out like you're just appeasing like your family, uh, more specifically your parents. And once you understand that, or once I understood that, and I had that aha moment where I need to do something for myself. So I transferred out, went to the art institutes, graduated. And, and for, for people to think like you can't financially support your family, like doing what you love or just in design, like I'm a walking example. Your parents are walking examples of that. I mean, it's a pretty good space to be a part of. Good community. I know we're way out of time, but I just wanted to thank you, Michael, for taking the time to join me on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you. I had a good time, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing your story. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your time. And again, before we say goodbye, my name is Guo, and you've just listened to the Not Just Pixel Show. And I'll see you in the next episode.